praise God, go to Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter, book of the Bible, the very last chapter of the Bible, the very last or second to the last verse of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, uh, verse 20, has 21 verses, the last book of the Bible, and you know, uh, I've been really struggling about ending this book as far as how to end it, and I really wanted to bring the last few verses and kind of have an ending with those verses, but the more I prayed about it, the more I sought the Lord about it, and the more I wanted to make sure uh, that we understand. This. I, I, we, we started this book really slow, if you know, man, and I know uh, when we, we started it, the first few verses, the first time we went through the book of Revelation, the very first time, we went through it twice now, uh, we spent weeks, I think like 10 messages on Revelation 20, or Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And it's kind of funny because the second time I went through it, we spent a lot less time, but we still spent time in the first few verses. And I thought, man, I'm going to try to race and finish the end. I'm like, ah, you know what? There's too much. And you're gonna, you'll leave here saying, I'm really glad. I can almost guarantee you this. You'll leave here saying, I'm really glad he spent time on Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, because there's just so much there. Because when you, you look at it, you say, well, it's talking about Jesus coming speedily. You talked about that already. But that little prayer, you know, come Jesus, you know, even so come Lord Jesus. It's just a, a quick little prayer. And, you know, what's the significance of that? Why spend time on that? Well, the name of my message, as I was driving here, you know, I was praying about the name of the message. And uh, it's called the most powerful prayer ever prayed. That's the name of my message. And that's and it's the prayer you ought to be praying. The most powerful prayer ever prayed prayed. And I'm going to put it as a tie, kind of, you know, top two most powerful prayers ever prayed, you know. First, the first and foremost is going to be, this is the first and foremost most powerful prayers ever prayed, I would say would be the intercession of Christ. And I would kind of maybe bring them all together, you know. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do at the cross, or his intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Because that's going to be the most powerful prayer ever prayed. But this is the most powerful prayer ever prayed by everyone who is not Jesus. Okay? This is the most powerful prayer prayed, I believe, this is. Uh, and we're looking at verse 20. And this comes on the heels of the warnings not to add or take away to the book of Revelation. Now we're at the end of the book of Revelation, verse 20. And we're coming to the crescendo you know, in verse 20 says, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. If, you have a, if your Bible is Jesus' letters in red, you'll have, I'm coming quickly. Yes, I'm coming quickly in red. Because Jesus is the one who's testifying of these things. He's saying he's coming quickly. We talked about that already. I'm not even going to review that. But I want to look at the next part of it. The fact that he is coming quickly. John hears this, and look what his response is. Amen, which means truly. Then what does he say? Come, Lord Jesus. In the King James, and I have so many verses in the King, in the King James memorized because I was saying, even so, come, Lord Jesus. And I'm looking at this. It's, amen, come, Lord Jesus. And I have, I never tried to memorize, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I have so much book of Revelation because I've been in so long, memorized, I never tried to memorize, but I tried to memorize the first 10 chapters or so, and I memorized that. Uh, although uh, somebody was just asked me about that recently, and I said, yeah, and they had memorized into, I was talking to a couple of brothers, and one of them had memorized into the chapter two or three in his churches, and, and I said it was, it, you know, it was, it was difficult, but I was, uh, it was before I was pastoring, and I was working construction. I was a tile setter at the time, and I had a little copy of the book of Revelation. I never really told this story. I had a little copy of the book of Revelation, or at least to the church, 
And it was, it was like, you know, probably not leather bound, but some, something, imitation leather or something. And it was like, if you ever see the book of Psalms and Proverbs or a little New Testament even, it was like that, but smaller than a little New Testament. It was just a little black one. And I thought, this is really cool. I found it at some bookstore. And I thought, wow, because I memorize verses all the time when I'm driving and stuff. I'll try to memorize the book of Revelation. I'd love to do that. And I was working in Valencia, and uh, that's where the, the firm I was working for, that the tile company was work, I was working at. And I would spend the day, you know, driving up and back, redeem the time. Guys, you're in traffic, man. You can complain about traffic, or you can pray and memorize God's word. Amen? And help people out while you're praying for them and grow in your walk with Jesus. So I just memorize scripture when I'm in the traffic. You just take a, a scripture up. But, you know, that can be dangerous. You've got to be careful, right? Nice and big. Well, this had small print revelation, so I'm trying to be, got to be careful, you know? I, I didn't get any accidents by doing this. I, maybe I caused a few, hopefully not, you know? <laughs> but I was memorizing the book of Revelation, and I was at the end of chapter 10, beginning of 11 or so. And by the time you do that, if you don't keep memorizing something and keep going through it, even with easy verses, right? You got to be careful because you'll start to slip. So, and when you're at the last eight, nine, and ten, or whatever, you have to keep going through those last chapters to get them in you. But it's a lot to go through because just reading 10 or 11 chapters of the book of Revelation it takes a long time, right? So I found myself driving all the way to Valencia in traffic, reciting the first, all the stuff I'd memorized, not having time to memorize. Not, I had to just re-memorize, not to memorize new stuff, so it gets harder every time. On the way back, I would re-memorize. Then guess what? You know, the church started. The brothers and sisters said, we want you to be pastor us, you know, from our Bible study and so forth. Prayed about it. That's a long story. God answered that divinely, supernatural. It was obvious. It was so clear. I was like, wow. Well, guess what? Now I'm studying for more than one study a week, you know, and I want to memorize other scriptures that pertain to the messages I'm preaching to get those scriptures in me. So I didn't have you know, an hour and a half, two hours a day for Revelation. So I thought, you know what, I can keep staying with Rick Revelation and not memorize other scripture for the next year and a half. But I decided not to. But it's really interesting because there's a lot of other parts of Revelation, Revelation 16 or 13, 16 through 18, about the beast. Chapter 13, he causes all the small, the great, the free, and the bond, the, you know, the, the rich, the poor, the free, and the bond to be given a mark either on the right hand or on their forehead, either the name of the beast or the number of the name. His number is 603 score and 6, because that's the King James. Uh, which is the name of the beast or the number of the name. His number is six, three, uh, 300, or 603 score and 6. And whoever takes that mark, it says, would you know, be put to death and so forth. So I memorized a lot of other scriptures later in Revelation, too. I tried to memorize that, and I did memorize that. But there's little verses, too. Uh, so if you put all together, it's probably about half the book of Revelation and all those other scriptures. But the thing is, you don't have to memorize the book of Revelation to benefit from it. Because he says, blesses he that reads, Revelation 1.3, he that hears. So if you're reading, you're blessed. He that hears. If you're listening to teach on it, you're blessed. And he that keeps the words of this prophecy. Amen. So you have to obey it, right? The man who looks into God's perfect law of liberty, his word, right, and, and doesn't obey it, he deludes himself. He's like the man that looks in the mirror and doesn't do anything about it, you know, walks away and forgets what he looks like. So we have to obey God's word. So it's not enough to memorize, read, and hear. Those are important things. But reading and hearing is what we're called to do. Amen. Memorizing is meditating on his word. But we're called to obey it. And Jesus said we must build his, our lives on his rock, the rock of his word, the rock of his person, right? So when the storms of life come, we're still standing in the end. So that whole, the whole, all the principles here about standing during times of trial are so relevant to today. And I think that's why so many people love the book of Revelation, not just to see what's going to happen, because they realize, man, 
This, 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 this inspires me to live for God now and not to give up to the powers of darkness, not to give in to the, the seductions of the world and so forth. Now, it's interesting. There's so much here that's so relevant for us today. In fact, this prayer, the most powerful prayer ever prayed, as I've said, amen, come Lord Jesus, or even so, come Lord Jesus. This is an incredibly powerful prayer. And how do I mean, and what do I mean, I'm going to try to prove it to you, that this is the most powerful prayer you could actually pray. Well, uh, I think it's become clear as we go. And this is the prayer he is, this, this prayer, we're instructed to pray the principle of this prayer other places in Scripture. John is leading by example, even so come Lord Jesus, or amen, which means truly, truly, or truly, even so, or come, or, or amen, come Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I hope you leave here praying, even so come Lord Jesus. Or amen, come Lord Jesus. Because when you pray that prayer, you're responding just as John did to Jesus' words, right? Where Jesus said, he who testifies with these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. That's a response to the fact that he's coming. And it's when you read the book of Revelation, you see, wow, this is how gnarly, how crazy, how wicked it's going to get. And when you see that, and John's seen it in pictorial form often with God, the Lord, communicating to him, with angels communicating to him, amen? He's seen this, and by the end of it, he's like, come, Lord Jesus, you know? Even though he knows these things have to come to pass. So I want to talk to you about this, and I want to encourage you, uh, and I've really prayed about how to do this because I didn't want, there, it'll be a little, just a little bit of complexity, but I thought, man, I'm going to cut my notes in half. I have like eight pages of notes, okay, instead of 16 or 20. I'm going to go a little slower, okay, so we can get this because there's certain concepts I've tried to teach that really help you understand the book. So once you leave it, whenever you return to it, you won't be confused. Because I'm going to say 90-some percent, probably 97, 98, 99% of people that read the book of Revelation, including over 90% of scholars, I'm going to say that too. I have no doubt. Misunderstand the book as far as when they're looking at the, the seals and the trumpets and the bowls. Lord bless Jimmy. I'm going to get over that cough in Jesus' name. We love you, Jimmy. Uh, encourage you guys to really understand this book, and you'll because there's huge parts you won't understand when they happen and so forth if you miss certain principle that's being revealed in this book. So I thought, kind of instead of having like I didn't want to have two or three reviews, you know, I want to just do the last two verses. And that's why I thought it'd go a little longer. I'm not going to because I was going to review the book just a little bit so it's in our brain and mind. But just the last two messages are more thematic. And this is on thematic in regard to his coming. Because his coming, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word is, in chapter 1, verse 1, is the apocalypsis. We get the word apocalypse from it. Apocalypsis means to unveil. You can think of a curtain in front of a stage, and all of a sudden the curtain opens up and it's unveiled. Amen? You see what's going on behind the curtain. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation, it's the unveiling of his word, what's going to happen in the future, which is all about his person. It's the unveiling of his person and who he is, not only as the Lamb of God who gave himself for all of us, Revelation chapter 5, but as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in Revelation 19, who's coming back to take dominion over the earth at his second coming. Amen? amen. So it's this fantastic book. So, amen, come, Lord Jesus. Amen, truly, come, meaning come back, Lord not just Jesus. Notice it's Lord Jesus. Okay? He is Lord. Kurios. He's the, he's the king. He's the Lord. Lord means master. Amen? We're seeing that this, is this world being 
mastered by Jesus? Is he the one ruling every institution and everybody and everything? No, people are AWOL. They've, people are awry. People are running amok. People are just going astray everywhere. And there's wickedness that's permeating the planet. I mean, you see what's going on in the media. You see the conglomerates. You know, it's hard to really dictate, you know, because we have a government uh, that's not, you know, we're not a Christian government, okay? But we do have a government that recognizes that the power, that humans are wicked. So they've separated powers, right? Right? The executive and judicial and, you know, the legislature. You, you have, you have uh, you know, you have the powers, the, the judicial powers, the executives, uh, you know, those who execute, you know, execute the law, right? And you have the judicial, the judges, right? You have the legislature, which is Congress, that make the laws. And they're supposed to be representing our government, right? Well, that's to protect us from fallen human nature. I'm not going to go into it, but you can, I could quote a lot of the founding fathers of nature, uh, founding fathers of the nation, and you'll see that they recognize that humans are not angels. They're not good angels, and they have fallen natures. And if we allow just a, 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 what we think is a you know, good king or, you know, you can't have a monarchy until you have the perfect monarch, Jesus, amen. And it's interesting. Uh, we're supposed to, pre- but guess what? It's hard for them to get around the laws, so they try to change the laws. When the Antichrist comes, it says he will change the laws. But they can't change all laws overnight, so they try to do it from the bench and change the judges and put liberal judges in there and just ignore the Constitution. We see all that going on, you know. But since they can't do that, what they do is they, what's going on now, the enemy is trying to use corporations, right, huge companies to dictate, you know, the flow of where the world's going. And, and, what, and you're saying, oh, wow, well, we're going to praise God. Joseph, we praise God with you when you see that, you know, Target and Bud, Bud Light and all these groups are not able to just, everybody's just like, oh, let's line up and just let them have our kids and let them encourage us to butcher our little kids and, and, and you know, basically cut open their bodies and change them and as, as little children and so forth just because it's just amazing. And, but the thing is, they push it. They push the envelope. So it goes like this. What happens, though, is the world goes like this. They push further, a lot of the people recoil, but then it, it just gets darker and darker. Because these things wouldn't even be taught. We'd be talking about these things 20 years ago, 10 years ago. But things you wouldn't talk about 40 years ago, you were talking about 30 years ago. Things you weren't talking about 30 years ago, you were talking about 20 years later. On, on, on. It's incremental. So the answer is not us putting the right people in office, although you definitely pray about voting because I think voting is very good. And you want to get the better people in office because you're not voting for Jesus, amen? So you want the best people in office, so voting's important, being salt and light, and being an influence uh, uh, is important, but you are under a deception if you think that we as humans are going to save the world, and we're going to create a conservative utopia, and eventually we'll have all the right people in office, you know? It just so happens, this, you know, a lot of what we're thought to be the right people get in office, and guess what? They're, they're just weak, they're fallen. The answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not have peace on earth until the Prince of Peace rules. Amen? Amen. He is our hope. So we pray, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. And we don't just say, come Jesus, Jesus, who's the Savior, but we say, come Lord Jesus, the Master, the Ruler. You come and rule. Amen? And this is so important that we understand. Now, it's interesting because this prayer has been prayed throughout the book of Revelation in different ways. Not these exact words, but this is, a, this is a cry of the saints for Jesus to return throughout the book of Revelation. 
And during the tribulation period, it will be the cry of millions and millions and millions of believers, I believe. In fact, go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. And when you get there, in Revelation chapter 6, you will see, a, you'll see the effects of, okay, I purposely typed a lot less because I didn't want to get too complex. A lot of you be like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Others be like, oh, praise God, this is awesome. And you understand it better, hopefully, after we talk about this. But in Revelation 5, Revelation chap first chapter is kind of an introductory chapter. John sees Jesus with his face shining like the sun, his eyes of flames of fire, and in the midst of seven lampstands, which is the churches, right? And he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says the churches, so it's instructed all of us. Revelation 2 and 3 are led us to the churches. Revelation chapter 4, you see the heavenly scene. You see the four uh, cherubim in their the faces, four different faces, and the heavenly throne, and chapter 5 as well, and the emerald rainbow around God's throne, and it's amazing. But in chapter 5, there's the Father on the throne, and on his right hand is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Because we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? When you're praying to the Father, you're not praying directly to Jesus. You're praying in Jesus' name. He's at the right hand of the Father. But the Apostle John begins to weep greatly. He's in tears. Because there's a seven-sealed scroll, which is like the title deed to the earth. Jesus already paid. It all belongs to him. Paid, paid. He, he created us by divine fiat. He owns the earth. Amen. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, it says. But humanity went astray and rebelled against him, right? And became slaves to sin, it says, and to Satan. But he, he by his love, planned to redeem us from Satan's enslavement through his shed blood by paying for our sins, where Satan could not accuse us and have power over us. Amen. And John begins to weep because he realizes, he knows, somehow he understands that the seven-sealed scroll is pertinent, incredibly pertinent to the unleashing of God's power to where he begins to establish uh, his judgments. And the Bible says God's judgments are in the earth that the nations may learn righteousness so that people would come to repentance. Not everybody will. We know that. Most won't, it says. And, that, and they will lead up to a second coming. But John weeps because nobody's able to open the seals. Because that scroll, it's not just opening the scroll so you can read it, but the popping of each seal reveals what God will do on the earth during the Great Tribulation period. And John's weeping because he's waiting for this to happen, but he realizes this can't happen. Nobody's worthy. Nobody's worthy because who's worthy to do this? Because John, by the way, 1 John 5.19, he says, we know that we are of God, but the whole world is under the power of the evil one. You know? And in Revelation 5, let's just back up really quickly and see this little part. I saw on the right hand, verse 1, of him who sat on the throne, a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals. So the angel brings this to John's attention. Who's worthy to open the book and break its seals? Because the book can't be opened until you break the seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Nobody raised their hand and says, I can do it. You know, I, 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 I'm worthy enough. Not one. No one was worthy. Verse 4, Then I began to weep greatly 
because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. So God reveals to him his heart that the significance of this book. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Wow. The lion of the tribe of Judah, right? He's prevailed through his cross. Amen? That's the song that's sung later in the same chapter that because of the blood of the Lamb, he shed his blood, people from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue could be saved. And it's, it's beautiful. By the way, I love that. Stop weeping. And you know what? There's a lot of times we're weeping. We're engulfed in a trial and it's so painful. But we could stop weeping if we look to who? To Jesus. Remember Peter? He, was, he, wanted, he saw Jesus walk in the water. That's Peter, man. Goes, I'm going to try this. He's looking at Jesus. He's doing fine. And then he looks at the waves and he starts to sink. And then Jesus grabs his hand, pulls him out. You know, He, he started to sink. He didn't sink all the way either. Jesus must be quick because as soon as Peter started to sink, which would be fast, right? Jesus goes, Pfft. you know, and pulls him up out. Of, I just thought about it first time. That must have been really quick. And Peter's like, and then Peter's walking again. But we get our eyes in the waves and we start to weep. Personal problems we may be going through. Relational problems we may be going through. Jobs in our job, you're going through a hard time. Maybe the boss, boss mistreating you. Somebody made something up about you. Somebody's just you know, mocking you because of your faith. People are saying things behind you because you love Jesus and they're convicted and they don't like to hear it. And you're just trying to witness to them. But guess what? That's part of the deal. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Amen? You know, you got to get used to that. I've been a pastor a long time, so I've gotten, grown a thick skin in regard to, you know, persecution because, hey, I know the deal. I know what God's Word says. It's like, yeah, it's part of the deal. I'm just going to keep going forward in Jesus and, 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 you know, bow before Him and share His Word and love people. That's what you got to do. Keep going forward. So whatever you're going through, a lot of times you're weeping, and guess what? It takes a time and a season because you, you understand you're seeking Jesus through it. Amen? But it hurts, you know. You could lose a loved one, and, you know, some of us have lost loved ones recently, right? Uh, and, and there's a time and a season. We don't weep like the world weeps, it says, though, right? Because we have the comfort, we have the hope, right, of being reunited with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But there's a lot of times we're weeping, and, and God's like, you know, stop weeping. Look to me. Sometimes we don't hear him, though, right? So I'm telling you right now, no matter the trials you go through, make sure you're looking to Jesus through your trials, and the crying won't last as long, typically. Amen? If you don't look to Jesus and you refuse to look to Jesus, the crying ultimately will last forever because you'll be separated from him where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Amen? I'm getting in trouble. Now that's in my notes. I'm like, where am I going with this? But I just want to, a little, little devotional right there. Make sure you look to Jesus. Amen? When you're going through your trials. And when you read scripture, draw a line and say, how does this relate to my life? Well, guess what? It, the big grand picture is the whole universe stands in the balance of whether you know, Jesus is going to take authority or ex execute, exercise authority over it, right? And the plan of redemption is going to be finished. It's already finished on the cross, but those people that are going to be saved are going to be saved and so forth. Amen? What's going to happen here? Well, stop weeping, John. Why? Why? Why stop weeping? Chapter 5. Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and set its seven seals. And I saw between the throne and the four living creatures, I love this, and the elders... A lamb. So he says he's a lion of the tribe of Judah's prevailed. You expect he's going to see this huge, radical lion. Well, Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords. Amen. He's coming back like that, man. Eyes of fire, right? Man. But he's standing as if he's what? Slain. He's standing 
He's resurrected. John sees him in, in, in glory to a degree. Not all his glory. His face shines like the sun. He falls down. He puts his right hand upon him and says, to John says, Fear not, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of Hades and of death. Right? So right here, though, he looks to this lion. He just saw Jesus earlier in chapter 1. At the end of chapter 1, he's going to look at Jesus again. But this time he sees him as a lamb that's been slain. Because he still bears his wounds. Right? He still bears his wounds. And to me, that's one of the most beautiful things in the book of Revelation. This, this verse right here, I, I just, it crushes my heart almost every time I look at it. I'm like, wow. When we see Jesus, we're going to see the, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We're going to see him in his, all his glory. We're also going to see that he's a man and that he is, has a, a body that bears the wounds of his love for us for eternity. A lamb is a slain, having uh, seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out on all the earth. And it's like, well, what's that about? Hey, we don't want to go through the book of Revelation again, okay? Go look at my messages. You know? and he, verse 7, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Ooh, he's able to take the book. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and, a, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign for, uh, upon the earth. And he just goes on and the praise gets bigger and bigger. That's probably the big, biggest, most awesome praise and worship in the history of humanity up to that point because the morning stars rejoice the angels of God Ezekiel, uh, sorry that's Job chapter 38 right through 42 they, it says they rejoice the sons of God the morning stars they rejoice when the Lord created the earth but guess what guess who's not there rejoicing with them us and they're doing over creation amen this praise and worship time in heaven is not only They'd only praise him because he creates the earth, chapter 4, the four cherubim. It starts with them. They're the worship leaders. You know, it starts with them. Then it goes to the elders, then to the angels, then to us. Now it's us as well, eventually, will be with them. Because then everyone under the earth and on the earth, the ones that weren't even worthy to open, they're all singing his praises. Now he's able to open the seals. And this is the deal. Understand this. When you look at the book of Revelation, it's about this seven-sealed scroll. And the scroll has seven seals. Seven's the number of what? Perfection in the Bible. And every time a seal is popped, some of the scroll is executed. You understand? Every time you see a seal. Then the second seal, more things take place. Third seal, more things take place, right? And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's crazy how, how it goes down. And in chapter 6, verse 1, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, As with a voice of thunder, Come! Woo, now there's a come right there. Isn't that interesting? It's not even so, come Lord Jesus, or amen, come Lord Jesus, right? But it's uh, a voice of one of the living creatures say, Come. And it says, Come to John. Hey, you come, John. Jesus isn't coming yet. But something else happened. I looked to behold a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. And we've done a whole bunch of studies on these things and so forth. This is a white horse. A white horse at the beginning of the tri- Revelation, uh, chapter, the, the tribulation period, and there's a white horse at the end. 
The first, the last one is Jesus. Amen. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He has a sword coming out of his mouth. Amen. And it says on his thigh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's word, it says Word of God. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And he comes to conquer. Amen. But that's not till the end of the tribulation. At the beginning, he has many diademas, many royal crowns. This guy just has a crown. He doesn't have a sword. He has a bow. And at the beginning of the tribulation, he's the white horse. He goes forth conquering to conquer. Okay? I agree with the interpreters that this refers to the Antichrist and all that, the false Christ and false prophets that Jesus began with in Matthew 24 when he started to tell us about the end. Amen? There's cr crazy parallels between these seals, when you go through the six seals, and Matthew 24. Same deal. Poor John, he didn't get uh, you know, the Olivet Discourse. He didn't get to write it, you know? Matthew 24, Mark, Matthew 25, that's Matthew. Mark 13, that's Mark. Luke 21, that's Luke. John doesn't have the apocalypse in the Gospel of John. Ooh, God has something better, man. I mean, not that it's better, but something more expansive. That's the book of Revelation, amen? <laughs> He's on that Patmos, man. Well, he might be thinking, man, I wish I should have put that. Maybe. Well, God didn't inspire me to do that, so I didn't. Boom, he's writing the book of Revelation. And the seals are being popped. And every time a seal is popped, more of the scroll opens up, which is actually more of what the book of Revelation is about. And there's greater and greater judgments. Now, what does this have to do, Joe, and us? What does this have to do with even so come Lord Jesus? Amen? Amen. Everything. It has everything to do with it. Because as you see these things happening, I believe these are, already, these are response to prayers that have been prayed. And this is God's plan. And the more we submit to God's plan, the more we seek His will to be done. Amen? And while we seek His will, we pray that His will will be done. And when we pray, we actually become participants of His will for our lives. Amen? Amen. And praying is very, very huge. And praying, very importantly, is indeed uh, to line up with God's will. A lot of times people say, what prayer really is, is it's us lined up with God's will. And they're absolutely 100% right. Right? But also sometimes people could pray and there's more than one thing within God's will. Wasn't there a man named, his name started with an H, a little clue, and he prayed and he was allowed to live longer. His name was a king. Do you remember that? King who? Come on. Hezekiah. Amen. Remember he prayed and God extended his life several years? So you're also praying. There's also different things God could do. But he works with us as his children. I might have a perfect plan for my, well, my wife and I will never have a perfect plan for our, our children or grandchildren, right? But a, a near-perfect plan we might think for the day. And they might ask us, and we could say, we can improvise, you know, that'll bless me, that'll bless you, and it still works within our plan. So sure. So your prayers are very, very important. Everything is not, uh, you know, by, by, you know, everything is not predetermined to where your prayers don't matter. They absolutely do matter, okay? Now what's happening here, this is where it gets really heavy. When you go through the seals, you'll see false peace. They'll be saying peace and safety, the, the, the white horse rider. You'll see the four horsemen of the hot apocalypse. I, I'm, I want, I'm tempted to just keep reading. I'm not going to do that because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to try to explain something because of people that might misunderstand something. And I want to do that. So you've got the four horsemen of the hot apocalypse with the four, first four seals. And they take you through the bloodshed, the wars and rumors of wars in Matthew 24. They take you through, as, they take you through uh, famine, which is in Luke 21 in the Olivet Discourse, you know. Uh, they take you through, uh, you know, all these different things. And then when you get to Revelation 5, guess what they take you through? I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 6, the fifth seal. It takes you through, remember, when Jesus said they'll deliver Christians up, us, because of his name, the name of Jesus, to be killed? Remember that? And they'll kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. That's kind of how it starts. It gets really ugly, and they'll be hated by all. The great tribulation, the middle of the week, starts with just incredible persecution. And they'll hate, you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. And they'll put you to death, right? So, what's, well, that's in the fifth seal. Look at the fifth seal. 
Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. Praise God. Well, you know if you're beheaded because you don't take the mark of the beast and say it happens in your lifetime, right? Well, guess what? To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Where's your soul? You're right here. We're reading about you right now. Isn't that a trip? If the tribulation took place in your lifetime and you were executed because you didn't take the mark of the beast, we're reading about you and you're part of this group. Not a trip to think about that. You're one of the souls under the altar. And what will you be doing? This is what you'll be doing. Verse 10. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Wow. You're praying for the Lord to return. You're praying for him to judge the wicked. Now it's not the wicked just killing millions and millions and millions of innocent babies in the mother's wombs and justifying it. Now it's the wicked killing, saying, hey, we're killing these babies. Why can't we just kill these Christians? I mean, look, they're not going to Target. They're not buying by light. You know, they're holding things up. You know? You know what I'm saying, right? You know, we're hated. We're hated because guess what? You're getting you're getting the way of big conglomerates. You're not, and this time you were not. It'll be not Bud Light and Target. Not that they won't still exist in some way, you know. Maybe the Antichrist will drink Bud Light and go to Target all the time. You know, I don't know. But it's because you're not worshiping the Antichrist. You know, you're not bowing down to him. Amen. So it's really interesting when you think about this, and it's really crazy. So he goes, uh, <laughs> I, I, look at what happens. It's interesting. They're praying, you know. And I think it's important. How long, O oh Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, Jesus didn't come. This first coming, it says, he came not to condemn the world, but to, that the world through him might be saved. Now they're rejecting the world. Revelation chapter 9, under the trumpets. Revelation chapter 16, twice it says this, under the bold judgments. They did not repent. They refused to repent. Three times altogether it says they wouldn't repent. So what happens? God's judgment is coming. Now, the, the, those who are being martyred say, Lord, they're not turning back. They're taking the mark of the beast. They're killing everybody that doesn't take it. Why don't you judge our blood on those who dwell on, on the earth, the wicked? And look what happens in verse 11. And there was given to each of them a white robe. And they were told that they should rest for a little while longer. Until what? The number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. You're waiting for a completion of the role of the martyrs to be filled up on the earth. And we read of that the beast will execute all those who refuse to take his mark, that the whore of Babylon who works with the beast and rides the beast, that her, her hands are dripping with blood because of her executing the saints and so forth. And that's going to be a lot going on. But, and right now, you think, some, if you, if you have a carnal mind, you'll think, oh, that's the church being defeated. Oh, we're defeated. No, give me a break. I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. That's not being defeated. That's like Peter, don't go to the cross, Jesus. Don't go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. That's not defeat. That's victory. It's through the cross that we get salvation. Amen. And it's through testifying of Jesus, even with our blood, that his name is exalted in the earth during that time through his witnesses. Amen. And people come to Christ. And the Bible actually speaks of the beast worshipers in Revelation 15. I'm not the beast worshippers, those who refuse to take the mark of the beast. On the crystal sea, it says these are those who had victory over the beast. Boom. We get victory through suffering for Christ. And the apostles knew that. 
They rejoiced. They were so happy. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be whipped and flogged for the name of Jesus. And they went right back and preached. Amen? So if you think that suffering is pessimistic, you need to get closer to Jesus. I'll just say that. And realize how, what, a, what a precious thing it is that we get to testify of his name. Amen? And if I could show the one who loved me and gave his life for me, amen, on the cross, even though I'm this terrible sinner, right, and that he plucks from the fire and saves me by his grace through his death on the cross, and he calls that victory. And I say, praise God, that is a victory. Thank you for winning me because I was terrible, right? How, much, how, much pre- how precious should it be for us, amen, that we could testify even to the point of death for the one who is sinless who already gave himself for us sinners, amen, amen. and say that he is Lord, and I'm going to remain loyal to him no matter what you do to me, amen? Praise God. So we need to understand uh, the scriptural viewpoint. And a lot of things, things that we don't want to be worldly and things, things backwards. Because the Bible says the last will be first, and the first will be what? Last, right? That, that which is highly valued by the sons of men. Jesus said the way the world thinks. He says uh, that which is highly esteemed among men in Luke chapter 16, verse 8, is an abomination of the Lord. We don't want to have viewpoints that are deficient and not scriptural. In the scripture, if we go through the tribulation period in our time, in our time that should be considered, a, you should rejoice and say, wow, if that happens in my lifetime, I get to testify of my love for Jesus, okay? Well, Joe, now I'm convicted. I don't know if I need to run to the hills now. Well, maybe not. Well, was running to the hills wrong? No, you can run. I mean, Judea, they ran, they fled, but they're still testifying by Jesus. They're not renouncing him, amen? There's, it's not, there's different ways that people persevere during that time. The key is staying faithful to Jesus. Now, this is what's a crazy thing. This is, they're praying, how long do you avenge our blood? Well, when's he, when is he going to come ultimately and avenge the blood of those who dwell on the earth? I mean, they're going through a tribulation period. There's judgments that are already happening. There's already five seals. Even the first seal is a judgment. Because when the Antichrist comes and he's deceiving many, that's a judgment because it says all those who receive not the love of the truth, remember that? God sends them a strong delusion to believe a lie. That's just like in Romans 1, they're given over to greater depravity. That's a judgment that they may believe the lie. So, Right from the get-go, there's judgments from God, and these guys already see the judgments from God, but people aren't turning, and they're saying, how long until you avenge our blood? Well, how is that prayer answered? How is that prayer answered? He He comes back. That's right. You look at the sixth seal, and guess what it is? It's a picture of Jesus' second coming at the end of the world. So it gives a picture of the end. Revelation chapter 6, the sixth seal. Go ahead and pick it up at verse 12. I looked, and when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black, and a sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell from the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. Now we're, boom, this is the end of the tribulation. How do I know that? Because Matthew 24. They're asking Jesus, what's the sign of your coming? The end of the age. Well, now, guess what? Sign of his coming, the end of the age. Matthew 24 brings to the very end after all these same things that we see happen under the seals happen during the tribulation period according to Matthew 24. Then you go to the end of Matthew 24 and what do you read? Verse 29 of chapter 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. After the trip, not seven years before, not pre-trib rapture. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. They'll hear the sound of a trumpet, right? Right? He'll send forth his angels, a great trumpet, it says, and they'll gather his elect, his chosen ones, from the four corners of the earth. Mark 13 says, from the farthest ends of the earth and from the farthest ends of heaven, because that's when the rapture takes place. What happens? The dead in Christ rise first, then we who are alive are caught to meet them in the air. It's after the tribulation, and I'm not getting the whole pre mid or post thing here. We don't have time to get into that. Uh, but what I am getting into is that's the end, we're talking about the end of the tribulation period, the very end. That's when all this cosmic activity takes place with the sun and the moon and the stars and so forth. And by the way, 
When the stars are being shaken, the Greek word is asteros. It refers to, doesn't have to refer to literal stars. I believe when you go to Revelation 16, you see they're about 100 pounds each, and you get this radical hailstorm at the very end. And by the way, oh good, it's only 100 pounds each. No, there's a ton of them, okay? You know, and if you're not right with Jesus, he is a good aim, okay? Uh, and then we see the sky was split. This is the end. The sky was split like a scroll. And that is when it's rolled up. And every mountain. Now, if you don't think it's the end, look what it says. And every mountain. Okay? We're surrounded by hills and mountains, right? Every one of them. Right? And every island. Well, I'll, go, I'll move to Hawaii. It's nice there. Woo! Every island will be moved out of their places. That's how big this earthquake is. Amen. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And by the way, this is at the very end. You know why we know this? Because even before you get to the seventh bowl later, seventh bowl is also pictured the end, just like this is. But you get into the sixth bowl, the kings of the earth aren't running yet. They're not hiding. And the sixth seal, when it's open, you know what's happening? The fifth and sixth seal? The, sixth, you, the, the sun heats up, intensifies in heat. There's your global warming, warming Mr. Gore, right? It's going to get gnarly, okay? And then guess what? Those who didn't take the mark of the beast, they won't, they won't, we won't take of his, partake of his wrath, but those who took the mark of the beast and the right hand of forehead, a grievous sore, an ugly sore comes on the right hand. And they're blaspheming God. They're speaking against him. Ooh, there's no speaking against. There's running from him here. They're not standing up to him, defying him. So even when you get through the bowl judgments, it's not this describing what leads up to the end. This, this is understand this. The seal judgments show you what leads up to the end. The six seals shows you the end. Are you with me? The seven trumpet judgments shows you what leads up to the end. When you get to the seventh trumpet, it shows you the end. The, the bowl judgments that come after that shows you the things that lead up to the end. When you get to the seventh bowl, it shows you the end. This is what happens and why most 90-some percent of people that read the book of Revelation get messed up. And once you start seeing it, it's like a hand in a glove. Is they start reading the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, they think it's chronological. They go, okay, um, it's chronological. Oh, and after the seventh bowl happens, or after the seventh seal happens, then the bowls will start. I'm sorry, the trumpets will start. And after the seven trumpets, then the bowls will start. And they get messed up because that's not often the way that the Hebrew writers write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, once, and you'll get messed up because we're reading about the end right here and you'll think that just happened somewhere during the tribulation period. And then you'll read the trumpets and you'll see the same thing happen again. And go, oh, that happens. That was like that back there. And that's going to happen before the bulls. No, he's showing the end. I can show you in Revelation chapter 1 in the end. Verse 7, behold, he comes with the clouds and every eye shall see him. And they also pierced him, right, the Jews. And all the kindreds of the earth, the, the, the tribes, all the people, will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. That's right here. That's describing this. They're all freaking out, right? Hide! Hide in the mountains. Hide in the dirt. Hide in the caves. Right? They're freaking out because this is the end. Does the end in Revelation chapter 1, is that the rapture? Verse 7? Nobody that I know says that's the rapture. It's a picture of the end, even though it's in Revelation 1. So he does this over and over again. And I love it because it's so powerful. Why do you think he gave Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? To show us four different pictures of the gospel. Not, not contradictory, but complementary to one another. Why is there Mark, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21? Three pictures of the Olivet Discourse. Are those three different tribulation periods in succession? No, it's all the same tribulation period. God uses different witnesses. Now, I'm so grateful I don't just have Mark 13 and Matthew 21. Or, I'm sorry, Matthew 24 and 25. I'm so grateful I have Luke 21. 
especially when I'm dealing with preterists, because I can show them, hey, this shows you that this was a temple, and this shows you this is the coming Antichrist, and not just Jerusalem being encircled, but Antichrist sitting in the temple of God. Now, it's important to understand that from the very get-go, when you read Genesis chapter 1, you'll read the creation account. But guess what you'll read in Genesis 2? You'll read about the creation account again with more detail. You know what liberals do? They go, oh, this author must have been really dumb because Revelation 1, or Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there's two different creation accounts. No, they're the same creation account. They're, account of the, they're, they're two accounts of the same creation. Do you understand that? It's like, remember, I'll give you another example. Remember Joseph? He has a uh, dream of seven years of what? Famine, right? And he sees seven skinny what? Cows. But he also has a dream of seven stalks of wheat that have been what? Stripped. Those represent, those dreams what? Represent what? Seven years of famine. Now what if somebody said, wow, there's going to be seven years of famine because there's seven stalks of grain stripped. Ooh, Joseph, your other dream. Seven cows that are skinny. There's going to be another seven-year period after that. Fourteen years of famine. They would misunderstand, right? You see what I'm saying? Because they're describing the same thing. That's what's happening also in the book of Daniel. You'll see the end, different pictures of it. Whether it's Nebuchadnezzar, whether it's the ten toes, right? Right? And the beast image, image, you know, of the, of the powers and the ten toes represent the ten nations that give their power to the beast. That's speaking of the Antichrist kingdom. Because in Daniel, also read about the ten horns, right? The, the beast, the wild beast with ten horns, right? That's ten nations that give their power to the beast. In Revelation chapter 17, you see it's ten nations that give their they have power with the Antichrist, it says, for one hour, and they'll wage war against the Lamb, the Christ. All of those are describing not three different beasts with ten heads or ten horns. One has ten heads, one has ten. No, they're all describing the same beast empire. Are you with me? God does this over and over again. Read Proverbs. Read Psalms. You see all these parallelisms. They'll say the same thing over again, maybe a little bit differently, because that's the way the Lord teaches us. Amen? And I'm glad he teaches that way, because I, I like variety. And I like to see it in different ways. And he gauges our, gauges our imaginations that way, so we have a better breadth and depth and understanding of the end. And he says, talks about a lot. He wants us to get it. And I'm, I'm such a firm believer. You need to teach your children about the end. That's why I think Revelation is so important. My children perish or go astray because of a lack of prophetic vision, the scriptures say. My children perish because of a lack of knowledge, the scriptures say. So we need to show them, hey, we're not here forever. Don't think you could just get instant gratification. Everything's going to turn out well. We have to face God for eternity, right? The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, right? And you teach them. It's the point of man wants to die, but after this, the judgment, that there's judgment coming. We need to make sure we're right with God. But praise God. And when your child's like, ooh, man, that's crazy what you're talking about. But praise God. God loves you so much. And he became a man. And he's the Lamb of God. And he's in charge of it all. Just make sure you're right with him. Amen? You need to teach your children the prophetic perspective. Otherwise, every single day your child wakes up, every day of their life, the enemy is trying to wonder or another to get their eyes off of the big picture. And most professing Christians are leading even according to a small picture and living carnal lives. But if you see the big picture, you'll be motivated to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him, amen? Because you see the end of the, the, the temporal day and into the eternal day. So isn't it interesting, right now, what are we seeing? Even so, come Lord Jesus. It's the most powerful prayer because guess what? These guys are praying the same thing, basically. How long would you avenge our blood and those who dwell on the earth? And then what's heavy, instead of showing all the details that lead up to the very end, what does he do in the sixth seal? 
In the fifth seal, they're saying, how long do you avenge our blood of those dwellers? He gives them a robe. He says, wait for a little while till your brethren are killed and completed like you were. And then he says in verses 12 and following, hey, he gives them a picture of the very end. This is the result of your prayer. This is the result of the Lord's doing. God even putting those prayers in their hearts, right? In his sovereignty. It's amazing. And then chapter 7 is kind of, it's an interlude. Oh, by the way, I should make it very clear. This is the end because I should just read the rest a little bit. Go ahead and continue to read. Uh, and they, they, verse 16, And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Now they're hiding them, but guess what they say to them? Don't protect us. They say, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the Lamb and from the wrath of the Lamb. Why? For the what? Great day of the wrath has come. Who? The great day of who? The Lamb and the Father that sits on the throne. For the great day of the wrath has come. And who is able what? Who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? Meaning we're going to get crushed by him, but we'd rather be crushed by rocks than face the wrath of the Lamb. And what days come? The great day of his wrath. In the scripture we call that the day of the Lord. Okay, The day of the Lord is coming, guys. Okay, the day of the Lord is coming. Then at the very end of that is very interesting. Is who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? Who's going to be able to stand? Not those who took the mark of the beast. They're going to be crushed along with the beast or wiped out and destroyed. Believers. believers, only believers. And that's why we read in Revelation 7 about 144,000 Jews from 12 different tribes. These are, I believe, real Jews. That, and it goes on to describe them. I'll have time to get into that. And it, God seals them, right? On their forehead so they won't partake of his wrath. But what about us Gentile believers? Ooh, don't worry, man. Remember the Passover blood? I told you the word lamb is used of Jesus in the book of Revelation and what he's done for us 27 times. More than the rest of the Bible put together. And the Passover lamb, the death angel passed over the house with the Passover lamb's blood on it. Amen? Beautiful. Now check this out. Uh, We know this because in Revelation 7, guess what it talks about? Not just the Jews being sealed. We are already sealed. We don't need to be sealed. If you're a Christian, you're sealed. It says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, in Corinthians, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are already covered as believers by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, but God's going to get a Jewish remnant in the end, and eventually it says all Israel will be saved. In fact, he says in Revelation chapter 7, the next chapter is kind of a parenthetical chapter, and he says, you know, he shows also not the 104,000 only, but he also shows this great multitude that no man can remember that, this great multitude that no man can remember for every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, who have been what? Cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And they come out of the great tribulation. And you know what it says about them? John says, I saw them standing. Woo, there's the answer. Who is able to stand? Very end, end of chapter, uh, chapter 6. Who is able to stand? Revelation chapter 17. Or sorry, the very next chapter, Revelation chapter 7. Just go ahead and ch- check that out really quick. What does he see? Verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, for which no man one could count. From every nation and all the tribes of peoples and tongues and stand, we're what? And tongues, we're what? Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Ooh, clothed in white robes, there it is. I mean, this is the people in the altar. Now the measure of the persecution is getting filled up because they come out of the tribulation. Obviously, they get raptured before it because they come, it says, if you want to read it, they came out of the great tribulation. Ek is the preposition. They came out, they could exit. We, they exit the tribulation. Now check this out. Now he shows the end, right? So in chapter, now f- listen carefully. Follow what, what I'm saying here. Otherwise you'll miss this. 
The fifth seal is a like, like, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. The fifth seal is how long to avenge our blood. Amen. Then he shows the end in the sixth seal. Then he, but now he wants to get in more detail. The Lord does in his wisdom. He wants to show you what leads up to the end. But he wants to show you that he's going to protect his people from his coming wrath because that's a big part of the tribulation period. We're not appointed to wrath, amen, as believers. God's not going to pour his wrath out on us. Don't let anybody ever say, well, if you're there during the tribulation period, you'll be appointed to wrath. No, everyone that says that they knew in every movie the pre-trib, our pre-trib brothers and sisters make, guess what? They always show those who are believers during that time being protected from the wrath of God. They know that God's not going to pour his wrath out on the believers. They just say that to scare you into believing something that they can't show clearly from Scripture. I'm sorry, I'm speaking a little fast now. Let's slow down a little bit. Okay. So this is what's a trip, is then when you take chapter 8, guess what? Now, how many seals have been popped out of the seven? How many? Six. So the book around, the scrolls opened up a little bit, then it's opened up more, and now it's open, you've got to fold. You can read a lot about it, and, you, and he's showing the end. Here's the end of the sixth seal. The end comes, the picture of the end. But then the seventh seal, guess what happens? He pops the seventh seal, and guess what happens? Shoo! The whole book, the scroll opens all the way. That's what happens. In seventh seal, what would happen? It opens up. Now you're looking at this whole scroll. And now he's going to give you the details that lead up to the end. Go to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the what? Seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about half an hour. This is what male chauvinists use. This is the verse male chauvinists, misogynists use to say that there's no women in heaven. Because there's silence for half an hour. And I said, nah, it's a terrible joke. You should not say that, you know. I can't say that. I talk a lot, so I wouldn't be there either if that was true. Uh, <laughs> I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Right? And the angel came. Now, this is heavy. Seven trumpets are being given to them. This is also a result. The seven trumpet judges now, which will be very severe, many of them. Woo! That's a result of prayers. How do I know that? Look at Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add to it the what? Prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. Wow. And the smoke of the incense. Now keep in mind, now check this out. Please follow this, because if you can, it's very easy to understand. Listen. I just saw four top post-millennialists that are at least one of the four most known. They're those that don't believe that, that we're going to take over the world for Christ, you know, which is crazy talk. I'm sorry, it is. It's not what the Bible teaches. And they're asked about a very simple passage in the book of Revelation, which I don't have time to get into. And they're like, what's this about? And they're like, don't look at me. And the other one said, well, Calvin never wrote on, on, a, on Revelation, never commented on I'm not going to either. And the other guy's like, well, I don't, I just deal with I'll deal with stuff up here. I'll deal with the weeds. And I'm like, listen to these guys. And I'm like, wow. It's because it doesn't fit into what you want to happen. So you can't even understand the book. You have to allegorize or just say, I plead the fifth, you know. It's so clear. You can understand the book of Revelation. That's why I make that point. It's not that hard to understand if you really look at it. But listen to this. Please follow me on this. Please understand. They're praying in the fifth seal earlier, right? How long to avenge our blood? He shows the end in the sixth seal right? The prayers of the saints are being answered with the sixth seal ultimately. He kind of leapfrogs to the, I don't use the term leapfrogs. Frog's not a good symbol, the Revelation lamb is. He kind of leaps like a strong, studly Jesus lamb, you know, <laughs> you know, all the way to the end and shows you the very end, right? 
But what's interesting here, and I think it's crazy, is when you get here, now he's showing the prayers again. But now he's showing you what leads up to the very end. The judgments that will happen during the tribulation period before that final end that is depicted in the sixth seal. Are you with me? Because you look at verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding the golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. Are you a saint? Guess what? Your prayers are here. Isn't that a trip? The prayers are not some of the saints, all the saints. Your prayers are being put here. What kind of prayers would be getting prayed that would be put there that you've prayed? How about even so come, Lord Jesus? How about the most popular prayer ever prayed? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Millions and millions and millions of prayers. Wow. And this verse 4, And the smoke of the incense with uh, the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the, alt- from the, al- of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and, and what? earthquake. Does that sound familiar, by the way? He's showing another picture of the end. Then look at verse 6. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. Ooh, what's the result of these prayers going up? A picture of the end. Another little picture of the end. And then what? All of a sudden the seven trumpets start blowing. Think about what's going on here, guys. Your prayers, God uses your prayers and his plan and his power, his authority, working together to now bring forth these judgments that are meant to bring repentance at first because at the end of the seven trumpets, near the end of the seven trumpets, that's where it says they didn't repent to give God glory. But some will because we read in Revelation 11 with the two witnesses, which happens under the seven trumpets, that after the two witnesses are killed and their bodies lie dead for, 42, or for three and a half days, I'm sorry, then they're resurrected, you know, at the end of the trip. Boom. They get up, go to God. Wow. Then it says some gave glory to God. That's repentance, yeah, because it says another place of people in general, they didn't, rep- they, didn't give, they didn't repent and give glory to God. Giving glory to God, just a little, little, little point that's very important, giving glory to God is connected to repentance. So some will repent, but the world at large will not repent. So we're not under illusion because the, the way, way is narrow and few of those, Jesus said, find it. If the whole world repented and comes to Christ and our post-mill and preterist friends and, 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 and uh, people in the NAR movement, New Apostolic Reformation, which is, a lot of them is false prophets, are saying, the whole world, or almost everybody's going to come to Christ. We're going to usher in a golden age and we're going to rule before Jesus comes back and we're going to take the seven mountains. We're going to be ruling the military and the, the government. We're going to be ruling Hollywood and they're going to look to Christians and we're going to dictate all the laws. Some of them are saying, we're going to even kill homosexuals and, and we're going to disobedient children. We're going to go back to the law of Moses and, and Rush Juni. Yeah, yep, disobedient children and put them to death and we're going to rule the earth as Christians and then Christ will come back after we're ruling for some time. That is. Can you read the book of Revelation and come to that conclusion? Absolutely not. And by the way, the world gets mad at that big time. Our message is Jesus died for you. Repent. Get right with him. And we also, they don't like us too because we say, hey, judgment's coming. You better get right. Amen. But you don't go around telling people that something that's not. If I'm going to get persecuted, I'm going to get persecuted because something in the Bible that I'm doing that's right. I'm going to get persecuted for righteousness sake. Not for making up stuff and saying, hey, yeah, Christians are going to rule all you guys. We're going to write all the scripts in Hollywood and, uh, you know, we're going we're to run the school systems and, and Almost everybody's going to become a Christian. No, that's so wrong. 
But what's heavy here, guys, is, is the trumpets start going, right? As a result, or right after these prayers, verse 6, and the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. And the first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And the third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Right, And the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. It just goes on and on. And it's going to get really, really crazy. But notice when the prayers first go up before God, an angel takes a censer, remember, and throws them to the earth. You get this picture, a picture of what's going to happen. Then you start going through the seven trumpets, you start seeing these things happen. They were a result of the prayers. They were a result of God's will, but people saying, Thy kingdom come. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's why I'm telling you this is the most powerful prayer you could ever pray. Because this is not just changing a heart. This is changing the, what's, going to ha- what's happening in the world. And it's going to affect the heavens and the earth and every star. All the stars will, the stars will fall from heaven. And, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. And there'll be a new heaven, new earth. Pretty powerful prayer. Are you with me? Now, when you go to Revelation 10, you get another picture of the end coming up. Revelation 10, we go to the seventh trumpet, and we read verse 6. And he and swore, he said, an angel, I saw standing on the sea, verse 5, and I'm sorry, standing on the sea and on the land, lifted up his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, verse 6, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, and there will, what? Be delay no longer. Wow. There'll be what? No longer? Delay no longer, right? That makes you think, hark back to the fifth seal, when they're under the altar, the souls who'd been, the people have been executed, how long to avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth, Right? White robes, and then what did I show them the sixth seal? Don't worry, this is how it's all going to end. I'm going to let you see the, the grand finale. Give it to you early, right? Then I'm going to show you what leads up to it. Then he goes to the seven trumpets to show you what leads up to the grand finale. Now we're back to the grand finale. There'll be delay no longer with the blowing of what? The seventh trumpet. Amen? But of the voice, now look at verse 7. Well, there'll be delay no longer. Why? Because of this. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, that's the seventh trumpet, when he is about to sound, then the... Mystery of God is what? Finished as he preached to his servants, the prophets. What mystery is finished? Throughout the New Testament, the mystery that you read about the most over and over again is the mystery of Gentiles and Jews being brought together into one body. It's called the Church of the Mystery, right? And that we'll all be changed and brought together as one with Christ. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, right? At the blowing of the seventh trumpet. Or Paul says, I'm sorry, the last trumpet, right? This is the last trumpet, right? Here's where the mystery is completed. The last trumpet. And by the way, what did Jesus say when the elect are gathered from the four winds of the earth and the farthest sends of heaven too? What did he say? At the, they'll be sounding the great trumpet. It can't be an earlier trumpet in Revelation because it's, it's the last trumpet, Paul says. And it's after the end of the tribulation, Jesus says. And right here, man, it's clear. It's the seventh bowl. I'm sorry, the seventh trumpet. Now go, please, to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. And let's go look and see what happens when the seventh trumpet blows. And tell me if it doesn't look just like Revelation chapter, the sixth seal, Revelation chapter 6. 
Jesus coming there. Remember the great earthquake? Remember mountains and islands were no more? Remember they're hiding. He's going to let him hide us. He's going to hide us, crush us. Mountains is hiding the mountains. And, and may they crush us, man, because they're hiding from the great day of his wrath, the day of the Lord. Now check this out. Verse 15. Now if we go to verse 15 and it's a plague of grasshoppers, it won't make sense. Right? But look what we see. Then the seventh angel sounded. There's the last trumpet. And there were what? Loud voice in heaven saying what? The kingdoms of the world has become what? The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. You see that? What just happened right there? The kingdom of this world, the Antichrist kingdom, right? Has this become the kingdom of who? The kingdom of Christ. Well, what pray do we always pray? What, not, we don't just pray, even so come Lord Jesus. I hope you add that to your prayer life. But we say, we pray, thy what? Thy kingdom come, thy what? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? We just see that happen right there. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. He begins his reign. Amen? The millennial kingdom begins. And the 24 elders, verse 16, who sit on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were. By the way, notice it's not who are and who were and who is to come. Who is to come isn't there now. In the oldest, best manuscripts, it's not there. Who are and who were. Why why would come be left out? Because he just what? He just came. They're not asking for him to come now. Because even so, come Lord Jesus is answered right here. Who are and who were because you have taken your great power and have what? Begun to reign because the second coming happened right there. And the nations were enraged and your wrath came. And the time came to what? For the dead to be judged. And the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name and the small and the great and to destroy those who what? Destroy the earth. And if you keep reading, you'll see there's flashes of lightning, sounds, peals of thunder, uh, an earthquake, a great hailstorm. There's, there's all that stuff. It's just the end again. Picture the end. So seven, sixth seal shows you the end. The seventh trumpet shows you the end. And guess what? The sixth seal and the, se- and the seventh trumpet that show the end both come after what? Prayers. Are you praying? Are you praying? Go to Revelation chapter 16. The seventh bowl, we'll just get there real quick. We'll just go to the bowls, the bowl judgments. They're blaspheming God who took the mark of the beast. They're refusing to worship God, and uh, they're, they're, they, they did not repent to give him glory. That's verse 9 of chapter 16. And we read in uh, Revelation chapter 16, verse 13. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Now, by the way, they're being gathered together to fight against God. They're not hiding in the rocks yet. So this is going back. It's backing up again, showing you what leads up to the end, right? And this is under the, 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 the uh, judgments, the, the bold judgments. In fact, it's interesting. Look at verse 15. Behold, I'm coming like a what? I'm coming like a thief. A lot of our pre-trib brothers and sisters who we love very, very dearly, we just want them to see this. They say, yeah, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be like a thief. It could be any moment. He's going to come back on the church like a thief. No, he doesn't come back on us like a thief, the Bible says. Jesus said in Matthew 24, he's coming after the tribulation, and then he said this, if the good man of the house had known when the thief was coming, he would have come and surprised him. He would have had his house boarded up, and he'd be ready. Right? He didn't come. And Paul says it very clearly. He says, uh, concerning that time, he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he goes, we're not in darkness. That at, while they're saying peace and safety, 
Sudden destruction will come upon them as to reveal upon them a child and they shall not escape. And we are not in darkness, a church, as, that, as though that day should come upon us like a thief. It comes on the world like a thief, but not for us because we see the signs of the times. But if you tell people there'll be no signs for the church's rapture, and you know, that's first, he comes like a thief. No, there's nowhere to say he comes like a thief in the church. In fact, right here he comes like a thief. What's it referring to? The very end. Armageddon, right? Are oh, you get it? It's so clear, so clear, so clear. Behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will walk, uh, will not, I'm sorry, will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And he gathered them together in the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Battle of Armageddon. Verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out. Here's the seventh angel. Here's the seventh bowl. We saw the sixth seal brings the end. The seventh trumpet brings the end. This brings the end. Let's picture the end again. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is what? It is done. Remember? How long can you avenge our blood? Shows the end. Remember then? This, that's, the, that's, the, that's the seals. Remember the trumpets? There's delay no longer. It is finished. When? When the seventh angel blows his trumpet. Boom. Rear. Seventh seal. What do you see? Or seventh bowl. Now with the seventh bowl, not seals, not trumpets, but bowl. Seventh bowl. What do you see? It is done. The end again. Picture the end. What do we see? Bunch of grasshoppers? No, we see the end. Look at verse 18. And there were what? Flashes of lightning, sounds and peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake. There's all again. And such as had not been since man had come to be upon the earth, the greatest ever that would be, right? So great an earthquake uh, was it, and so mighty. And the great city was split in three parts, and the cities of the great nations fell. Babylon, the great, uh, was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And every, look at verse 20. And every what? Island fled away. And the mountains what? were not found, and the huge and huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon, uh, upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plagues of the hail, and because of its plagues, it was exceedingly extreme, I'm sorry, extremely severe. So they're running the mountains. They're getting pelted. They're crying, crush us. And again, you have a picture of the end. Every out, every mile. You can do a parallel. I've done this before. Write down the sixth seal, seventh trumpet, seventh bowl, write them all out, and then draw lines to the same things that happen. You see the very ending every time. And by the way, these are all a result of the Lord's wisdom in judging the world and showing how Jesus Christ is Lord of all and that he is King of kings, the Lord of lords, giving them opportunity with two witnesses testifying, angels flying in the midheavens saying, preaching the everlasting gospel saying, don't take the mark of the beast. All that with the believers testifying, Jesus saying in Mark 13, don't premeditate what you're going to say when they bring you before kings and leaders and so forth, but the Holy Spirit will give you utterance to speak at that time. Amen. The Lord's going to use believers to testify about Jesus. Right now, we're in the day of man. This will be the day of the Lord when he returns. Amen. And by the time you get to the book of Revelation, you say, even so, come Lord Jesus. By the way, you guys, I reduced this to eight pages. I got halfway through page one. Okay. I'm like, oh, Lord, don't worry. I'm not going to make another message. Next time I'm up here, Lord willing, on that Sunday, uh, we're going to be, uh, we'll, we'll uh, have our last message. And uh, we'll be uh, looking at the, the last verse of Revelation. Uh, well, you got enough. You got a good feeding day, right? Yeah. Does it all make sense? Is it me or did it go kind of fast? Yeah. Praise God. That means we could go through Revelation for another year then. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody, please stand up. He is good. Amen.